Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Good morning, everyone. This is Kat Caldwell, and welcome to Pencils and Lipstick. This is the podcast for writers, mostly writers, and we are also readers, aren't we, if we are writers? This is the 145th episode of the podcast, and it is August 19th. It is Friday, a beautiful Friday, a Friday that is a great day to go buy some school supplies. <laughs> so school is almost in session here. We start Wednesday. Um, yes, Wednesday and then next Monday. I know some of you listeners have already started school. If you're on the opposite side of the world, the southern side of the world, you've been in school. Um, so some of you have already gotten that sort of back into the routine and maybe figured out a way to fit your writing in after the school holidays or summer holidays, right? Um, and maybe some of you are still struggling. So I'm going to have a couple goodies for you in the show notes. There's a couple different things going on. Um, I've gotten together with Stacy Juba and Emma Desi to put together in just like one landing page over 20 different authors, writers, editors, who have something to offer you for free to help you get going. We're calling it the Back to School for Writers Bundle. Um, there is nothing that you have to pay for. It is all of these people's, um, these writers and editors, excellent lead magnets that they have. Um, lead magnet is that thing that you use to entice people to get onto your newsletter, right? So they, they range from worksheets to ebooks um, to video courses, um, lots of different things. There are over 20 of them and you can pick and choose. You don't have to download everything. You don't have to sign up for everyone's newsletter, but basically you sort of see the freebie that you think would be helpful to you. You sign up for that person's newsletter and you get the freebie and then you check them out and see if their newsletter is, you know, worth staying on. Um, you can always unsubscribe at any time, but we just thought that it would be a nice way for writers, um, people aspiring to be published or people who are published and they just figure out that they need to know a few more things or they need to get inspired or they need to find an editor. Um, this is one spot that they can come to and sort of browse and get to know new people in the, especially indie sphere, but in the writing sphere. It's a one-stop shop for you to meet people in the writing and indie, uh, indie um, publishing sphere to get to know new people, right? And then find the things that you need that you think will help you get your book finished. So I'm excited to be part of that. I love collaborating with 
other authors. Um, and I think we'll probably be doing it again soon, finding different ways to collaborate with people. There are so many authors, editors, um, coaches. They have so many wonderful um, freebies or courses. Um, they have so much content that can help you. And a lot of times it's just finding that person that really clicks with you. Um, and you can spend a lot of time on the internet trying to figure out who these people are, you know, if they're credible, what, what are their sort of, what's their focus or their niches or, so I just find this to be a really fun way to help narrow that Google search rabbit hole <laughs> and maybe get rid of it altogether. So we had the, um, right book descriptions that sell workshop. I'm always trying to get these titles correct. And <laughs> um, so Madison, Michael, and I hosted that this past week. And it was a resounding success, um, except for that my email that went out, you know, the link didn't work. And so I had to send out more emails. <laughs> Something always happens. But the workshop itself was wonderful. Madison, Michael did an excellent presentation. She really broke down what book descriptions were what the, what we use them for how we should write them how many we should write you know have sort of in our swipe file for each book um and she went through examples which is great and so then this coming Wednesday we are going to go over people's book descriptions um beforehand and Madison and I are going to sort of give our critiques and our reviews of them and help make them stronger the strongest that we can. And of course, your book description can always change. It can change with, you know, the, if there's like a, a fashion that's happening in your genre or just the book industry in general sometimes changes. So it's good to have this talent, I guess, or this knowledge in your back pocket. Um, probably the first book description that you ever write is not going to work. Maybe not even the 20th. You five years from now might need to change it or tweak it according to what's happening. So it's good to keep on your toes with um, book writing descriptions, book description writing. That's probably how it goes. <laughs> um, speaking of the publishing industry, a friend of mine asked me if... Um, she had said that that the coach that she's working with um, commented that she could probably send the book out that she's working on to be, you know, optioned by an, uh, a publisher or an agent. And my friend is indie published and she sort of asked me, you know, oh, that, you know, as much as I like indie publishing, it sort of piqued my ego. And I thought, you know, oh, maybe I will do that. Um, and then we sort of went through like what her expectations are for her writing career and her book. Now, for me personally, I, I am in this space of where a lot of people still really revere the traditionally published um, authors and publishers. And I am American. And so whatever choices I make tend to be pretty well defended by myself. <laughs> that's just sort of how Americans are. Uh, we make a decision and we pretty much think that that's the right decision, right? Um, but I'll tell you why I think indie publishing is the better way to go. Now, you have to do it properly. 
Um, the reason that people still have attitude against indie publishing. And believe me, I hear the attitude. I, I hear lots of comments about it, um, especially especially when people don't know that I'm indie published. And so um, I <laughs> sort of hear these things before they find it out and get to hear what they really think. Um, the reason that they still have sort of an attitude against it is that you can just upload whatever to KDP and it's there, right? Um, it doesn't have to be edited. Nobody's nobody's gatekeeping that. Nobody's checking. Um, even though on the back end of KDP, it will bring up a list of possible misspellings that you have in your book, which is always helpful. Um, but yeah, you know, there's nobody sitting there making sure that um, your cover is professional, that your editing is professional, that your formatting is professional. So yeah, there you can just upload anything. And yes, there are quite a few books out there that are not, um, let's say, memorable or maybe even worth finishing. Um, but let's be honest, there's quite a few traditionally published books like that as well. Um, most of the books, I would say, no, it's probably 50-50. The books that I don't finish are both traditionally and indie published. I would say mostly because the um, story is not very well developed. And then the other one would, I, I'm just not interested in the book. <laughs> so, you know, not being interested in the book does not mean that the book isn't interesting to a lot of other people. So that is just a personal opinion. Um, and then I would say with a, just the storyline not being developed or overwritten, there's a lot of overwriting um, where you're thinking, okay, I feel like this scene is the same scene over and over and over again. Um, have you ever felt like that? Like you read a book and you're like, okay, okay, I, okay, another scene, another scene, like nothing's really happening. Um, and if nothing's really happening, I don't know why it's there. <laughs> so uh, we, we can overwrite things and it doesn't always contribute to the story, right? So my thought on being published, both indie and traditional, the traditional publishing industry is changing again. Um, we have this whole thing in the U.S. about the DOJ coming against the quote-unquote monopoly. Um, I do agree with Joanna Penn when she says that, um, I think it's the Simon & Schuster is what's trying to be sold. Um, it's going to be sold. It's going to be cut off. It's going to be given away. It's going to be shut down. It's it's not going to stay. Um, I think it's Peacock that, that owns it. It, if they don't want it, if they've decided that it doesn't benefit them, it's going to be somehow given away, right? Um, sold, whatever. Maybe not by another big publishing house, but by somebody. Um, yes, we are seeing more smaller publishing houses come up, um, which is great. But you have to realize as the author, as the writer, whether you are published traditionally or indie published, the majority of the work, the weight of the marketing will fall on your shoulders. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Um, I watch Alka Joshi, who was here talking to us just a few weeks ago. She's traditionally published and she does a lot of marketing herself, a lot. She goes to book clubs and she goes... Um, to book fairs and she goes to bookstores and she's on her social media. She's pushing her book because that is expected. Now, 
The thing about being traditionally published is it has had a lot of eyes on it. And so even though there are quite a few books traditionally published in which I don't think have, um, I don't think enough work was done on them to get the story to where the writer probably wanted the story to go. You know, again, that could be, (laughs) that could be disputed by somebody else's opinion. Um, Technically, a lot of eyes have been on it and, you know, that can give you confidence as a writer. Now be warned in the smaller presses, there might be a lot fewer eyes on your book. Um, And a lot of times if somebody said, we're, we're going to publish this book, the other people who might disagree aren't going to dispute or argue, right? So on one hand, it can give you a lot of confidence. Um, and confidence is needed in marketing. So um, that's something. So I told my friend, this is my personal advice, take the confidence um, that it gave your ego and use that to your advantage. Indie publishing um, looks and feels the same as traditionally published these days. Hardcover, paperback, um, as long as you format it correctly, it very few people can tell the difference. Um, even the traditionally published are uploading things on the back end of Amazon. Um, they're still doing the same marketing as, as us. They do have bigger funds to, you know, market that or run ads, I guess. But it's interesting to, to see that we're kind of on an even scale. Like we do have access to the majority of all these things that big publishers do. Um, Plus, we are learning as we go as indie publishers, indie writers, and we are really reaching out to our readers. I think it's a lot easier when you've done that work behind it um, to find your readers, to build your newsletter, to really work towards that and to have a more personal relationship with them. Um, Is it work? Yes, absolutely. It's a lot of work. Um, But keep in mind, too, traditionally published takes about two years, if not three or four to get your book out, you are not guaranteed um, to be picked up by your agent again for the next book. Um, A lot of times you have to go shopping again for another agent Um, and you're not guaranteed to be published. And as the publishing market, uh, publishing, you know, big publishers, I guess, sort of the dust settles and they, you know, find their balance in the world yet again, um, that's going to affect writers. Now, I don't know how this can be true, but I've heard several people quote this, that 80% of the writers don't make back their, um, their advances for the publishing houses. And I think that's insane. Um, because of this trial, uh, people keep saying that that quote. And if that's true, I don't see how these, I can see why they need to be sold off and why so many are closing. I don't see how they still stay in business. Um, they must have a, just a few books that, that really uh, make them money. I don't know. Or maybe somebody brought up the point of maybe it's the movie um, licensing rights. I don't know. I, I think that's that's crazy. Um, so whether you're traditionally published or indie published, the average author makes about six thousand dollars on their book. 
That's the reality. And so if you are looking to be traditionally published in order to save yourself some time on marketing, you're they're not working for you like they were working for authors 40 years ago. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Now, again, I am biased. I really like the indie publishing world. Um, I think that you have the chance and the opportunity to build your own company, um, to be an entrepreneur, and to make a lot of money if your product is right and your product is good, right? That it really comes down to that. And your book is a product, and I don't think that's any there's anything wrong with that. So just keep that in mind as you are writing your book and you are trying to decide where you're going to go. There's no wrong way to go. Um, There's still lots of reasons to go traditionally published. Um, Maybe you're just completely not interested in being an entrepreneur and then you shouldn't go the indie route because it is a lot of work. (laughs) So there you have it. So this week, um, the podcast is brought to you by once again, um, publisher rocket. We are going to have the link below. I really think that, um, this is a really good tool for you. There are a couple tools that I use. Um, I use pro writing aid. I use Scrivener. Oh, thank God for Scrivener. You can just move things around in there. It's so easy. (laughs) And publisher rocket. And we were talking today, I was talking with Emma Desi today about this book outside the ring and genre and where I'm going to put this. I think I've said this like five times. I keep pulling up, opening up my publisher rocket and looking for the books that I think are compatible to mine that I'm working on to find those categories, to find those genres, to see what keywords I'm going to need to use on the back end of Amazon and Kobo and Ingram Spark and all of those places um, to make sure that it gets in front of the correct reader. Now, Publisher Rocket makes this easy because I just have to go in into Publisher Rocket and put in some keywords and then I can see where they line up um, in Amazon and on the charts. Uh, Otherwise, I would have to just go down the dark, dark, long, long rabbit hole of Amazon (laughs) and trying to figure out where this goes, you know. Um, but I can look up Nicholas Spark and a book that he wrote that I think is a little bit comparable to this one. And I can see what his keywords are. I can see where his standing is. I can see where his categories are, his genres. Um, because when you're writing contemporary fiction, that's not specifically romance, horror, thriller, or suspense or fantasy, um, That's a really big category. And so you need to be able to um, figure out how to niche it down so that it gets in front of the right reader. And so I am really grateful that Publisher Rocket exists. I think that you should check it out. They have a lot of different things over there. Dave Chesson, I think his name (laughs) is pronounced. Um, I'm hoping I can get him or somebody from the company on the podcast soon to talk about all their different products. But it is important to have the right categories, to have the right keywords, to have the right genre. And even if you're going to go traditionally published, it's important to know these things and understand them in order to find the right agent and the right publishing house. That's my recommendation. That's my personal recommendation. So if you like the show, please share it. If you want to support the show monetarily, I have moved everything over to buymeacoffee.com 
forward slash pencils lipstick. Um, I am putting up the video interviews there. I'm putting up a few other things there. I'm slowly building it out, but if you want to support the show monetarily, me and my editor, Christy, would be very grateful. We love doing the show for you. Um, if you cannot contribute monetarily, and I completely understand as this world <laughs> tries to get back to normal, um, money can be really tight. So you can help me out by reviewing the show wherever you listen to podcasts or sharing it with other writing friends. And that would be extremely helpful. You can also tweet me at Pencils Lipstick on Twitter if you want. Um, to hear certain people on the show, if you have a question, if you have a comment about the show, I'd love to hear from you as well. I can see all the different countries that listen, um, but I am going to try to amp up a little bit more of interaction with the listeners. So you can also find me on Instagram, pencils and lipstick there, and I will check my DMs as well. If you want, again, if you want certain people on the show, if you want to hear what the writing process is, or maybe an editor or you know, somebody that's created some awesome software for writers, um, you can DM me or tweet me. So today is a shorter episode, but before we go, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about story because you all know that I love story. I'm a little bit obsessed with story um, because that is what we're doing. We are telling stories as writers whether they are short, whether they are long, whether they're epic, um, a standalone, a series, whatever it is, story. There was some like epiphany that I had over the last three days. Um, I was painting my laundry room. I was fixing my book and I was catching up on some movies because I tend to be that person who, um, who tells myself that I should always be writing and um, writing or reading, and I've really put off movies for a really long time. Um, it also doesn't help that my husband and I have different tastes in movies. <laughs> so, um, so you know, we we tend to just like, wow, we just don't get around to it. I have to say, and our our lives are a little bit dominated by children, and so a lot of times they get to choose the movies, right? So, um, I got to watch some movies all by myself and I got to choose them. And one was no good. I love Charlize Theron. I love Chris Hemsworth, but Snow White and the Huntsman was no good. I'm just sorry. Um, it had all the elements I typically like. It's medieval-ish. Um, it's adventure. It's semi-fantasy. I really enjoy watching movies like that. I don't tend to read the books um, like that in that genre, but I like watching the movies like that. And I stopped it when she's like, if you haven't seen it, she's, you know, gets rescued. She meets the dwarfs. They add the dwarfs in there. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's part of the actual fairy tale. Um, and then she's in this like enchanted forest with these fairies and this, like white stag and I don't know. And I thought, you know, it's a retelling of Snow White um, with a lot more emphasis on the stepmother. Um, and sort of, she has a full background story in there. And yet they really felt like they had to add in this, this sort of fairy tale part of the story. And I thought, it's just too much. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. 
it's too much. It's if you're going to retell it in a different way, you might as well retell it in a different way, right? I don't know. Now I would say that there <laughs> that my opinion is not alone because the rating for it's pretty low. Um I'm sure it was fun to make and again, I like all the actors in it, but I just stopped it halfway through. But this made me think about my book and how many different things I tried to sometimes put into a book because what I like to do is really have it as close to life as possible. I really like to dive deep into character development. And life has a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff comes <laughs> comes at us at the same time, right? But that's not what makes a good story. Throwing everything into the pot. And I'm not talking about throwing all genres or all tropes or anything like that. I'm just talking about how you write the scene, it doesn't need to have everything about life in there, right? Now, there has to be a setting, you know, if they're at a coffee shop, okay, they're at a coffee shop, they have coffee, every once in a while, they're going to sip their coffee, or, you know, the barista is going to tell them, here's your coffee or something, there has to be a scene there, right? Um, Is it empty? Is it full? The reader wants to know where we are, you know, where the, the protagonist is. So that's not really what I'm saying. Um, but adding sometimes, sometimes you'll see this with characters. There's too many characters and too many characters means too many subplots. Okay. So when you have, um, a girl looking for love, but, um, her, she's also trying to get a position in the company in which her boss hates her and her best friend is, um, dealing with getting married and her mother is, um, coming back into the picture and her brother, you know, part of her issue, the protagonist's issue with love is because her brother got, you know, lost the love of his life or I don't know. There's too many characters. There's too many things happening. Um, maybe some things that should be backstory and just sort of hinted at are actually put into the story. So then that got me thinking about my book and how I needed to condense it a bit, which I already kind of knew, but it just sort of reaffirmed things. Okay. Make sure that there aren't too many subplots. There aren't too many characters. There aren't too many things, you know, her walking through this fairy forest in Snow White. It's not necessary. I don't even know what the point of that scene was. Anyway. So then I watched Extraction because I couldn't get enough Chris Hemsworth with Snow White. So I needed <laughs> I needed to get more Chris Hemsworth. And what's interesting about this and what's easy about the hero's journey, right, is that it's one one protagonist dealing with one thing. And then they're thrown into a plot. And so Chris Hemsworth is dealing with the guilt that he feels. And you don't really know what the guilt is. You kind of assume that somebody has died, you know, probably a child. And you don't really get, you don't really understand his whole PTSD issue until about 60% into the movie, maybe even maybe a bit further. But he's also helping this kid, which I do have to say, it's great to see a movie helping to extract this kid from kidnappers who wasn't like American or, or European. (laughs) Like the kid is, um, I think the kid's Bengali or maybe it was in Bengali and he, 
and he um Bangladesh and then he's Indian. Anyway, it's set in Asia and the kid is Asian and his um dad is even like not government or not a nice guy. He's a mobster. Um, but we are seeing seeing this kid as a very innocent kid. He's just a kid, right? And he's he's kidnapped. And so Chris Hemsworth goes in being paid. He wants money. He needs money. Right. That's not really explained very pro- very well. Like, why does he need money? But you know, people gotta live, they gotta eat. Um, so he needs money. And you the whole plot, of course, is getting the kid out. But the character development is focused on um him choosing to save this kid, and then you find out why. It's almost um almost to make up for another child in his past. It's simple, okay? And interestingly enough, the side characters don't get a lot of play. Even though the female side character is beautiful, would like to see more of her. Um, But they don't get a lot of play. And yet, what play they get adds specifically to the story, specifically to a couple times to the plot, to move the plot, and a couple times specifically to the main character's development. And so that again, reinforced all these things we know. We know them intuitively as writers. We know them because we've read or watched or listened, but it's just another emphasis on your character is going through something. They are changing. They are developing. Um, That is the whole point of story, that change in belief or the way that they see the world and the side characters are every time they show up, it's specifically to make them, um, to push them forward. Okay. So sometimes it has to push the plot forward. Of course, the plot has to move forward. Um, but the other times it is to push the protagonist into making decisions that will force them to change or for consequences to come and them to choose not to change which is a really interesting ending to play with, right? So I encourage you to, if you don't usually do that, take take a couple movies, relax this week or this coming weekend and watch them like a writer and see how everything around the character, if it's a good movie, it's a, if it's a story well told, should push that main character forward um, in their development. and. Let me know. If you watch Extraction, let me know. If you guys watch um, Keep Breathing on Netflix, it's a kind of a mini series. Watch it as a writer and let me know. Um, you can tweet me at Pencils Lipstick or you can DM me on Instagram at Pencils and Lipstick, all written out. Um, let me know what you think of it as a writer. And that's all I have for you today. Next week, we'll be back with James He works with the self-publishing show and he is a writer himself. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. So until then, have a great week and keep writing. Today's episode is brought to you by Publisher Rocket. Do you know Publisher Rocket? It's one of my favorite tools. Publisher Rocket gives you the edge on Amazon KDP by finding profitable keywords and best-selling categories for your book. See what hungry readers search for on Amazon with Rocket, letting you optimize your seven KDP keywords for more sales. 
not every keyword is effective, you know, and Rocket can show you which ones are searched for most often are less competitive and which ones earn more money. Plus, with its AMS ads feature, Rocket generates thousands of advertising keywords in seconds, which will give you profitable keywords so that your ads can make an impact. And if you're going to spend money on Amazon ads, you want them to make an impact. With Rocket, you can discover applicable hidden categories that most authors don't know about on Amazon, which will increase the chance that browsing shoppers stumble on your work and decrease your competition. Find out how many sales it takes to become a bestseller in each category, as well as how much other authors are earning off of their Amazon books every month. Not only that, but Rocket has a phenomenal support staff filled with real experienced people to help you on your journey. Rocket comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee, so you can try it without any risk. It has a single fee with no subscription, my favorite thing these days, so you only have to pay once for full lifetime access to all its features. New readers can only enjoy your work if they find it among the thousands of other books published every day on Amazon. Great authors deserve to be read, so don't let your book languish in obscurity. Get your book noticed with Publisher Rocket. Now guys, Publisher Rocket is one of those tools that I avoided buying for the longest time and I highly regret it. I don't know why I was really, really tight budgeted in the beginning, but Publisher Rocket is an amazing tool. I highly suggest you check it out. There is going to be a link below in the show notes for you to check it out. And as they say, there is a 30-day no questions asked guarantee. But more than that, they have videos on how to use it properly, tons of suggestions. They're really great over there. You can make sure that you use your keywords correctly, your categories correctly, so that your book can just bump up from you know, wherever it is in the black hole of Amazon, right up in front of the correct reader's face so that they can find it, they can read it, they can review it, and you can keep selling more books. Check out the links below to find Publisher Rocket, find out more information. There's also going to be a link to a blog post, which will give you even more information about it below in the show notes. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.